Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. You are tuned to the Nighttime Podcast, focused on the fringe of Canada. Welcome back to the continued coverage of Kayla Reed's unique story. In the prior episode, I shared a timeline that included Kayla's disappearance, her reappearance on YouTube as Sunray, the very public back-and-forth battle being fought between her family and her, and of course, we heard from Sunray, who's now back in Newfoundland, a place she views as a sort of spiritual purgatory. What inspired my coverage of her story initially was my desire to learn more about Ray and better understand the feelings that motivated this unusual journey. I'm happy to say I feel as though I accomplished that. Regardless if I agree with all her decisions, after hearing her describe her motivations, I feel much closer to understanding her, and thus I'm now able to view her story from a much clearer perspective. But as you'll hear many investigators say, When one door closes, another opens, and that certainly applies to my experience in this case. During my research, the questions I had about the other prominent figure in the story, Nature Boy, began to pile high. My initial thoughts on Nature Boy were based solely on his portrayal in the mainstream media as a former American turned cult leader that had a brainwashed Kayla under his control. However, after watching his appearances in the video she posted, it was clear to me that he was much more complicated than that. When CBC News published an article outlining his criminal background, I was left with a question that was begging to be answered. How does a former American erotic entertainer named Bishop end up Nature Boy, the spiritual leader of a Costa Rican-based religious group? I knew the question was more complicated than anything a Google search or a news article could ever hope to answer. I'd have to hear it from him. Fortunately, I left enough of an impression on Sunray, and she agreed to ask him if he'd be willing to speak with me. When he agreed, admittedly I was nervous. I had no idea what to expect from someone I had only known to be an unstable villain. So with great trepidation, and my mind consumed with thoughts of what are you getting yourself into, I took a deep breath and called the Ethereans' compound in the Costa Rican jungle and asked to speak with their leader, Master Teacher Nature Boy. Next thing I know, the voice I recognized from the videos offered the salutation. Peace, reflection. Again, I'm not sure what I was expecting, but I didn't expect to spend the next three hours on the phone completely captivated by his incredible life story, his beliefs, and most of all by him. At some points during the call, he takes the role of a stand-up comedian delivering a heartfelt take on his dark past, while at other points, He was a deeply spiritual preacher compelled to make me see the world in a new way. Much like with Kayla, I hope to remove some of the mysteries surrounding the man the media labeled a cult leader. 
To do that, I'll be releasing a two-part series in which you'll hear the surprising life story of the Ethereum leader, Nature Boy, all told, in his own words, via excerpts from my conversation with him. In this episode, The Rise of Nature Boy, I'll cover his life as Bishop and end with his spiritual awakening as Nature Boy. In the coming weeks, the story will be concluded with a follow-up episode covering his move from the U.S., ultimately leading to his present-day position as the controversial leader of the Ethereum tribe. After some time introducing ourselves and comparing the very different weather outside our windows, the discussion came on quickly and casually. I wasn't entirely sure what Nature Boy would be willing to talk to me about, but I certainly wanted to hear his history. I knew he had moved to Costa Rica from the United States, where he had some legal problems, but I didn't know much more than that. I wanted to start our talk by discussing the time before his life as Nature Boy. I started by asking him a bit about his childhood, back when he was still known as Bishop. I came to America, um, on my journey, I came to America, uh, rough life, Born in Harlem, New York. Was a crack baby. I came through there. Uh, my mom and father, what we call the Babylon mother and father, passed away immediately You know, when I was a child. So I never knew them. I was placed in foster care. And my, my childhood was very blurry. You know, just very fast, home from home, never really having a mother or a father or a family. You know, later on, I, 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 learned, to, I learned that that would be a blessing for me. Um, so basically I call it that I was dropped off here. <laughs> basically, that's what, that's how, that's how what I say. I'm dro- I was dropped off here. With life starting out under far less than ideal circumstances, the legal trouble I had read about in the news reports began to make more sense. He next shared some of his memories of his time with the bishops, a family that had adopted him and that he takes his name from. Different people raised me. Um, just being an orphan, you know, home from home, can't really remember a, a particular mother and father, but as I became into like maybe 11, 12 years old, I got adopted by the bishops, and uh, I was a, I was abused by the bishops. They abused me. They made they made me uh, do a lot of things. But what I learned was later on that their abuse was actually training me to become who I was today. So so I'll give an example. They wouldn't let us use a washing machine. I had to wash my clothes by hand. Here I am in, in New Jersey. She made us slave in her garden. I'm talking about, and she was a very mean lady. This lady would beat me, tell me I was, my, my skin was ugly. I was, you know, just, just, just abuse, just plain abuse. We didn't, wasn't allowed to wash our clothes in the washing machine. We had two fruit trees in the backyard. Check that out. The only, the only house in the whole block with two fruit trees in the back of our, so you know, she would basically not let us cook, not let us be in the kitchen. We wasn't allowed to the kitchen. So we was back in the back, climbing those trees, eating fruit all day. And uh, my Babylon brother, we would, we would be in the back, back. But later on, I realized, like, I needed that. Like, I needed that. Like, she wouldn't let me have lights in my room. Like, there was no light in my room. It was just a dresser, darkness. And, you know, it, it, a lot of stuff she was doing, I, I realized, like, wow, I was being pruned for what I'm doing today. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. In considering his current position as a spiritual leader, I was curious what role religion had played in Nature Boy's upbringing. As it would turn out, it was also during his time with the Bishop family that he first began considering some of life's deeper meanings. Yeah, they were very religious. They were Pentecostal. Oh my God, these people would force the Bible on me. And thank God they did. They forced the Bible on me. I, I hated the Bible so much that I, I tore it to pieces researching in it. And I hated it. I, I hated it so much I questioned everything about it. I read the Bible maybe six, seven times. But I also... Uh, fell in love with it as I'm questioning it. I I I I fell in love with Jesus. I, I that's my that's my dude. I love the character of Jesus because he stood he stood for something. As you heard him describe prior, life with the bishops wasn't working out well at all. Once he was old enough to handle himself, he'd begin to carve his own path through life. I I wound up running away from this lady and um, getting into the streets. And so whoever, you know, I just want family. I wanted to be a part of something. We all do. And so I ran to what would accept me, and the streets was always welcome, welcoming to accept you, you know. So I started running around with those guys. I felt a, I felt a sense of freedom there in the streets that I nobody was telling me what to do, and I could run around and do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. So I, ran, I would run away. And when I ran away, I would keep running away, and then the police would catch me. They'd bring me back, and they'd say, won't you just put him in a group home? And so that's what she did. She put me in a group home. With Bishop now bouncing between the streets and the group home, he was free to make his own rules. It's a little surprise that a young man with little to no guidance would find his way into legal trouble. I was reckless when I was young. I'm not going to lie. Whatever I could get into, I got into it, man. I broke into people's homes. I, I Unconsciously, just being out there without any guidance and trying to just make a quick dollar and survive in those streets. At just 16 years of age, young Bishop would face the consequences of his budding life of crime. Uh, I got locked up for doing a number of armed rob, um, not rob, armed rob, well, yeah, I did. I think I might have did that when I was young. During our conversation, Nature Boy made repeated references to his antisocial upbringing serving as a sort of training for the adult life he currently lives well outside the norm. Just like the treatment he received from the Bishop family, he spoke about the isolation prison allowed as being a positive factor in his path. At that point, I was very young when I did this time in prison. But I, I, I like the fact that I went to prison young because I didn't get to go to high school. So I didn't get the programming everybody else got. You know what I'm saying? You know, the programming and the social, the social setting of Babylon. I didn't get that. Not only did the prison term enable him to avoid what he described as the programming of Babylon, it would also provide the opportunity to further expand on the ideas he formed when the Bible was pushed upon him earlier in life. His detractors, however, may see this next development as evidence of an ongoing mental health problem. In those years of being locked up from 14 to 19, you know, I tried to kill myself in prison, and um, so I, I, they put me in a psych ward. And, and in the psych ward, I wasn't on no medication, but I got to see people that had psychological issues. 
and I start studying the mind and wanting to understand what was going on with the mind and why. And I, I start realizing a lot of things and all of my experiences led me to do more of the research. Where we left off, Nature Boy was serving time in prison, specifically in the psych ward on a multi-year prison sentence. At the age of 19, Bishop would complete his prison term and gain another chance at the freedom he sought since childhood. As you may have guessed, his reintroduction to society wasn't exactly seamless. At the age of 19, 20, I, I, was, uh, I was released uh, completely. When I was released, um, I was released in the streets and I, I didn't have anywhere to go. So I was trying to basically survive in this world where I didn't even know how to order anything from a restaurant. You know, I didn't, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about Babylon, you know, society. So I had to get some quick learnings about this. And, you know, so and I learned how to basically survive and work a job here and work a job there. And, and I didn't like that. The idea of me working for you for ten dollars or twenty dollars an hour. I, would, I didn't like the limitation part. You know, I'm working for you for eight hours for twenty dollars an hour. So I was always in that mind state. Much like the time prior to his prison sentence, he was back on the streets simply surviving. However, this time, rather than turning to a life of crime, he found a legal yet equally unconventional way to make his financial ends meet. When I got out, people kept telling me, you should model. You look like Tyson Beckford, this guy Tyson Beckford. I looked him up and I'm like, I do resemble this guy. Heck, if he could do it, I could do it, you know? <laughs> so I, you know, I went into modeling and that, um, that, that just, you know, that went into to stripping. <laughs> they just for some reason it got to the money I was trying to make money I was trying to make money I, where I was at if you wanted freedom you had to make money so at the end of the day it was like I need to get I need to get money so I can be free to have the freedom to do what I want to do and this going to a job every day was was just making me irritated because I, I, I didn't have the freedom it makes me feel like I got to go clock in for somebody and wake up for somebody it didn't really feel it felt like slavery for me. Yeah, you definitely don't you don't strike me as a nine to five job kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not at all. And um, so I just went straight in the, you know, from modeling to stripping. It was either sell drugs to make some money the way I wanted to make it because I wanted my freedom. For me, my freedom meant more to me any, than anything. So whatever I had to do to get my freedom, I was on it. You know, what I'm saying I'm a hustler. Mm -hmm. I was but I just wasn't going to do nothing illegal because I knew I was never going back to jail. As Bishop began a career as a male model and erotic performer, success would come quick. As a result, he'd now have the money necessary to live comfortably and make his own rules. But as it would turn out, the lifestyle associated with this career choice wasn't a good fit. I did it all, man. I partied, went all over the world. I've been, I flew all over the world being an exotic entertainer. Had all the women, had all the money, all of that until it didn't satisfy me anymore. None of that stuff really satisfied me. The only thing that I ever really truly wanted to was, was, to, was to find and be my greatest self. And so what happened was I, I, I transferred this, this shallow life that I was living as this beautiful man, as the, you know, the sex symbol. And then I transferred that over into a skill that I had, which was barbering. I was like, how can I not do this and still make the money that I'm making. So I figured I'll take this money that I have and go to school. And I got my barber's license. 
What will become more clear as the story progresses is that when Nature Boy sets his mind to something, he goes all in, 100% committed, maybe even obsessed. Finding a career as a barber becomes an obsession that will consume his life leading up to his spiritual awakening. Got my barber's license and other people were like, oh, what barbershop I'm going to work at? Me, I was always thinking, what do you mean barbershop you're going to work at? I'm about to have my own barbershop. So I, so what I did was I made a little space in my my little apartment that I had and I got I knew that you know I was living in Atlanta and I knew and I and I looked at my marketing as far as who was I gonna cut hair for. And I said, who gets their hair cut the most? Well, gay people, you know, homosexual men, I marketed them because they care about their looks more than anybody. And they pay big bucks for it. And gay people they like the way I look. So I would flirt with them. So it didn't matter. I would you know what I'm saying I used that to my advantage as well. I of course, I was just an entertainer, so I would use my looks as my advantage anyway. I said, my, my barbershop is going to be called Bishop's HD Cuts. I've always had a, a vast imagination, and I know that if I could think about it and I talk about it and I assess about it, and everything that I did was talk about Bishop's HD Cuts, man. Every my, No matter what you were talking to me about, I would kind of turn the conversation into Bishop's <laughs> HD Cuts. You know, I was so obsessed with the barbershop. I could feel it. I, can, I seen myself... Despite the prospect of a real barbershop being financially out of his reach, Bishop would use his incredible grit and determination to find success as a barber in a completely unique way. Given his present-day role as a spiritual leader, I find this part of his story interesting as it proves his ability to connect with and influence people has been something he's leveraged long before he was known as Nature Boy. I would go to the local hotels, and Atlanta is a big... uh, hub for visiting so i would go to the hotels i got a barber license i could cut your hair right here i was a mobile barber it doesn't matter i could cut your hair right now do you know what a barbershop when you come to atlanta no you don't i have i sit down have a drink talk some guys yo i'm a barber need your haircut while you're here because you're going to go out this weekend i i made a killing off of that right there and then what happened is the hotel concierge that would i would give them my business card and pay them a uh, percentage to everybody that they recommend. So what, what happened was I, I wound up being very successful as a mobile barber, meeting all kind of people. I actually went on a Monique show, cut hair for her, and I started cutting hair for celebrities. It just went there. You know, I was always good at marketing and dreaming, but I'm always talking about business cards. You would never know that I, that I was living in this little apartment. As Bishop continues to grow his mobile barber business, he quickly gains a reputation as the city's best. His dream to open a shop will present him another opportunity to prove his ability to connect and influence. It's through the relationships he maintains with his clients that he's able to make Bishop's HD cuts a reality. I got it within eight months. I got a barbershop. Somebody just gave me 25000 because I was so enthusiastic about it. I was always talking about it and it was like won't you just open up a barbershop i was like yeah well i don't have the finances right now but i'm gonna have it randomly just says man i didn't i didn't ask you if you had the money get me a business plan i said what do you mean get me a business plan i said wow are you serious guess what one of my other clients was a business uh administrator he made my business plan for me my other client made my logo for me and then the other client found the location for me all of my all of what I needed was right in front of me. I just used all my resources and I was so excited about it. It, it manifested so quick. I was dreaming about it. it you know, people would my, my, my current girlfriend was trying to argue with me and I would just be like, yeah, but 
the barbershop. You know, <laughs> like, you know, like what about the barbershop? You're not even in, you're not even thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? So I've always been someone that could imagine myself into something. You know, with the funding taken care of and the obsession to open the shop, giving him the energy to plan almost every aspect of the business, it's time for the shop to make its mark. My barbershop was so good that other barbershops near me was asking to sell their shops to me, you know, and go in with me 50-50. And so the neighborhood, I would buy the salons because women run the neighborhood. People don't know that. You know, if you're going in the community, you got to show love to the females because they run the community. People don't realize that because they have the kids. And so because I was cool with the salons, they would tell the mothers to bring their kids to me. <laughs> you know, this is like it was a strat. I strategized that, and to the point where everybody's coming to my barbershop, you know. And then I had a chess set in there, and I would tell everybody like, uh, "If you could beat me in chess, I'll give you a free haircut." Of course, nobody beat me. I'm really good at playing chess, <laughs> um, you know. So and and so people would come just to hear me speak because I was also I always been someone that was speaking knowledge and information, and you know. And um, people would, I just really, I made good relationships with people in the high places. With the barbershop and instant success, Bishop again finds himself in the financial comforts he enjoyed during his time as an erotic entertainer. But much like erotic entertainment, the lifestyle of a salon owner proved to be less appealing than he had hoped. I could very well have been the guy that took over the whole town and had a, you know, franchise of barbershops and you've just been successful in that way. But I, that wasn't good enough for me. I've always been a spiritual seeker. And so I met people that I can intellectually speak with. You know, we would meet up for dinner and, and, and have just these arguments and discussions and that be, that is what sparked me. I was like, you know what? And I would go back the dynamic of the group I was uh, dealing with with my barbershop, and it was just like this is not the same thing. And so, for me, I got an RV. Yeah, me, me. I got an RV. Young black guy, <laughs> little family. I said I'm gonna get an RV. Now they don't give these RVs away very cheap. So basically, I had to find an RV spot where you know you 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 make a down payment, and they would let you. They would trust you on that down payment. I had to, so I traveled all the way to Alabama, got an RV. And mind you, I'm this black kid from the hood pulling up in an RV in the hood. And everybody's like, yo, how you, what's that? You know, they never seen this, but I inspired all of them. They were like, yo, I'm like, you got a dream, man. You got to see past all of this. This is all good, but you know, you got to see past all of this. And, I'm, and I've helped them open up their minds and show them that they could be way more than what they're doing. Then... I took that RV and my current um, situation with the with the woman I was with and her children, and I and and I've always had this deep connection with nature. So I just wanted to travel the coast of Florida. I traveled the whole coast of Florida, stayed at all the RV parks, and here I am pulling up in my in my RV. You know, it's nothing but elder white people out there, you know, that retired in their, in their fishing boats and stuff. Like, yo, this is when I knew I was different. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm a young black family living in an RV. And they're like, what is it? And I'm running my barbershop, actually. And I'm, you know, at the same time. And I got a chance to get in touch with nature and be out in, in the middle of the woods and be close to it and understand it. And, man, 
Florida was beautiful. Just the coast, I just got to be out there in nature. And I knew that right then I belong I belong closer to nature. But Florida got so many bugs, mosquitoes. <laughs> nature Boy speaks of his time traveling through Florida as significant in terms of his personal development. It was during this time that he gained a greater appreciation for the natural world. But for now, he'll only be able to get his feet wet as the barbershop's success relies on his involvement. And at this point, Bishop H.D. Cuts was still his responsibility. When I left, my barbershop started to fall apart because I was leading it. They needed me to inspire them all the time. They had to keep that inspiration and start to fall off. And so, you know, it started to crumble away slowly. And so I had to come back. So I descended back to my lower self. One thing I learned about Babylon is if you're going to be in Babylon, you're going to have to be all the way in Babylon. So you, so I went all the way back into Babylon. You know, I become the barbershop, become the community. And so I went and I made that barbershop. I built a stage in the barbershop and opened up an open mic for the kids to come in and the community and come in and, you know, have a voice. I put a tattoo artist in the back. Um, it, it, I had, you know, natural hair girl. I, you know, we did shampoos with our cuts, $7 Tuesdays. It was, I got it all back running. You know, you can use your card now, you, you know. And I, and I put all of this in it and then boom. At that point, I was basically uh, coming into a more awakening state where uh, I was, I had the biggest house on the block in my neighborhood in Rex. I, I, I just stopped working in the barbershop. I just couldn't, be around the conversations and the ignorance no more. I was like, I start separating myself from it. Coming out of Florida, coming back to that, it gave me a headache after a while. I've separated myself. I got a shop manager, and I'm my, my, my house is right up the block. So they just so this this is where it happened. This is where it happened. This is where my spiritual awakening happened. Just as he did prior to his trip to Florida, Bishop would again lose interest in the life of a barbershop owner. This time, however, he would step away permanently as the driving force behind the shop, but still maintain ownership of it and reap the financial rewards of its success. It's at this point in his life where he would take the first steps in his transformation towards Nature Boy. When I got that freedom and I, I gave somebody my barber chair, the, the manager would come to me, knock on my door on a Saturday, give me the booth rent. I'm right up the block. If anything, you need me. So it was running. I'm just right down the block now. And with this time right here, I start having the most magical moments as far as, you know, dreams, leaving my body, opening up other portals of dimensions and meeting beings. And, you know, all of these things start happening, the phenomena, you know, I never forget when it first started because it wasn't it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. I was uh, dreaming, having dreams and opening up realms where. It was these dark beings and these dark beings were shadow beings and they were they were just, you know, ugly beings that wanted to touch me. And I was made of light and they was trying to touch me. And it was all it was a lot of crazy things I was having. I would I would fall asleep in a nap and I would see shadows running. You know, it's just, you know, so I wanted to understand what this was like. Why was I dreaming about this stuff? You know, this stuff peaked my mind. So, I, you know, with, these, with this stuff, I start researching, what's going on with this? Like, what's going on with me? What's, what's happening to me? After spending the balance of his life positioning himself for true financial freedom, Bishop finally has it. The only problem is he's unable to enjoy it as he's being terrorized in his sleep by thoughts and visions he can't understand. I got scared of going to sleep because I was having sleep paralysis. Um, 
I was forgetting what days were, what day it was. I was getting really heavy into spirituality to the point where my dreams scared me into to spirituality to the point where basically I was scared to fall asleep. And I wanted to make my dreams right because if I knew I find, I had to fall asleep eventually. So when I did fall asleep, I wanted to make sure that I went to a happy place. As Bishop spends his time isolated in his home, he begins a quest to understand his dreams. During this journey, he comes to the realization that the only way to free himself from the torment he's suffering through is to change his mind in almost every aspect of his life along with it. One night, I'm trying not to uh, fall asleep. I'm up all night, scared to fall asleep, obviously, seeing these dark beings and stuff like that and things chasing me and all of those things that were stuck in my subconscious. So as I studied what Dreams Realms was, I started to understand, like, wait a minute, this is my subconscious. This is only me. Like, I know this stuff. I can, I can control this. So basically, I reprogrammed my subconscious mind. If it wasn't positive, I did not put it in my mind. Positive affirmations at night. So if I'm going to go to sleep, it's some positivity that's playing throughout my ears. So that's my subconscious. It'll, it'll help assist me in going to a nice place when I do go into a place. And it worked. It, it completely worked. And so what I realized is that the cleaner I ate, the, the, the less beings I seen. I went to higher places. It was more beautiful places. With so much changing within Bishop, he still has his life firmly connected to the society he now calls Babylon. As he continues his spiritual transformation into Nature Boy, the divide between Bishop and those close to him becomes further and further. I was falling asleep and my I, another set of eyes opened. It's the only thing I could say. I know I was laying in the bed, but another set of eyes opened. And basically I was standing up in another realm. It was it was like more real than this realm. And I was slipping into different realities. I was in a hospital bed. Then I was in another realm where I was balled up into a ball and everything was upside down. This is when everything started because I, I just knew, stop taking showers. Stop taking showers. Just stop taking showers. Stop taking showers. That was when it all started. I started eating just fruit. I started arguing with vegans. Like, listen, we can't eat plants. I just knew things. I knew things. I started studying what America was, what money was, breaking my reality down to a molecule, all alchemizing, looking around me saying, damn, this stuff is made from wood. This stuff is made from metal. What is plastic made from? Plastic is made from oil. Okay, we got oil, wood, and metal. They all come from the earth. What do, you know? Why don't we live more eco-friendly? Then I'll just start going into, you know, becoming more peaceful with who I am. I didn't want to be no longer be a part of anything that was destroying anything else, whether that was a person or a plant, because I knew that all the life, I just had this vast respect for life. And that point, everything starts falling apart. Girlfriend is looking at me like I'm crazy. I stopped cutting my hair, start looking like a real crazy mother. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know if you can, you can, you can say whatever you want. I, I started looking like a crazy mf And people were like, dude, you good? They would come drop the money off for the shop. And I was like, I was looking like just hair crazy, you know, put on a t-shirt, t-shirt with the neck. I'm like, what's up, man? Do you realize what's going on? And, um, and people just like, yo, dude, we don't want to hear that, you know? And so life for me in Babylon became very uncomfortable because I knew too much. As you just heard described, Bishop no longer feels at home in the world he's living in. 
Much like the dream to open Bishop's HD cuts occupied his mind in the years prior, he's now preoccupied with his spiritual evolution and visions of a pure life. It's this pursuit of a pure, natural life that will transform Bishop into Nature Boy. In the next clip, he'll describe shedding everything that was Bishop and experiencing his rebirth as Nature Boy. What happened was I gave the barbershop away. I gave cars away. I gave all, I gave all, all that I owned away. Who I was as Bishop was dying. And I said, I'm a philosopher. I am a, I am a spiritual leader. I am a spiritual being. I don't, I'm a spiritual teacher. That's what I am. And I knew I was because it's the only thing that made me happy. You can't talk to me about anything else. I don't want to talk to, any, to you about anything else. Let's talk about things that truly matter. Let's talk about agriculture companies and how, how we're eating ourselves to death. Let's talk about chemtrails. Let's talk about all of these matters. That's what truly matters. Why is everybody walking around like we're not getting sprayed like, like, like a farm? Animals in a zoo don't know that the zoo is not normal. Just because we're born there, it, it doesn't make it okay. And so I've awoken and I realized I started understanding a lot of things. And I was just talking to people, regular people in my life, and they got tired of hearing me. And I didn't have an outlet. After selling off and giving away most of his material possessions, Nature Boy would move from his large home to a modest apartment. Much like the small barber chair he used in an apartment in the years prior, Nature Boy this time around would set up a small studio and begin spreading spiritual messages online thanks to an update to a favorite social media platform of his. In the next clip, which will be the last of the episode, we will hear the final step in the evolution to the Nature Boy the media has claimed to be a cult leader. Guess what happened? One day, guess what happened? I'll never forget the update. Facebook got live. Woo! Facebook live! <laughs> Facebook Live, bring. just talking to a camera and saying stuff to a camera is no good for me. I have to talk to people. When you do Facebook Live, you can feel that you're talking to someone. I was in love. It was me, my fruit. I took out my bed in my room because I knew that was no good for my back. And my back was important because it, my spine carries information to my, to my brain. And I want to be most conducive. Open up the windows, turn off the artificial lights, go into the darkness, all of this. And so I started talking to people about my journey. I said, I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here, man. We got to get closer to the sun. We all belong in the tropics. All of humanity belong in the tropics. Why are we living so far out of the tropics, but we take all of our food and resources from that area? We are forcing ourselves to live in an unnatural state. And I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. We have to leave here. Global warming is coming. We're destroying. Why do you want to be a part of this bullshit that's happening, man. I don't even want to be a part of none of this. I'm not even living if I do live that way. I'm already dead anyway. So, shit, I'd rather die a good life. If I'm going to go out, this is what I was thinking at the time. And I, then I realized I was immortal and I won't die and I have everlasting life. And I became somebody that became somebody that, you know, people will start talking about. Like, this dude is crazy. I didn't hear I'll end the episode at this point in Nature Boy's incredible story. So far, we've heard him describe his difficult start to life, his success in the world of erotic entertainment and as a salon owner. We've also heard him describe his reasons for walking away from both those lifestyles. What's apparent to me at this point is that when Nature Boy gets a belief or an idea in his head, 
there's nothing that can stop him. This episode ends with Nature Boy making the decision to leave Babylon behind and head to South America. In the next episode, he'll tell us all about how he ended up the leader of the Aetherians, how he obtained his Costa Rican home, we'll hear more about his beliefs, and of course he'll tell us about meeting Sunray and being labeled a racist cult leader by the international media. With that, we will conclude tonight's episode of the Nighttime Podcast. I want to thank Nature Boy for opening up to me. For someone I expected to be a lunatic, he's been making a lot more sense than a lot of folks I know. Babylon trains you to believe that you gotta have this, 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 and then this happens. That's not living. That's death. Living is going out and exploring, you know, and letting it all happen and being like, and rolling with the punches. If you're interested in hearing more content, please check out the Nighttime Patron Group, where for $1 a month, you'll have access to my bonus content. You can join by visiting patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. On behalf of myself and the show's listeners, I'd like to thank the continued support of the show's current patrons and welcome the newest members to the group. Jim, Laura, Adam, John, Judith, Teresa, and Stalianos. Without you all, the production of the show would be impossible. I would like to thank you for listening to the Nighttime Podcast. If you enjoy your time here, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show on whichever podcast platform you use. To stay up to date, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where my handle is at NighttimePod. If you have any story ideas or feedback on the show, I'd love to hear from you at NighttimePodcast at gmail.com. We'll talk again soon. Until then, keep looking up and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright. Jordan Bonaparte.